y'all. Welcome back to another episode of Out of the Blocks with Jasmine Todd and Caitlin. You know, we here again. And let me tell y'all, so we've been chasing this girl down. It's not all like her fault because it's definitely art on our end as well. But a long awaited Alicia Johnson, one of Houston's finest, aka Say Lay. Hey girl. Yeah. Talk to him. Hey y'all, what's popping? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so happy to be here. You know, I'm Houston Finest, but, uh, you know, all my family is from Chicago, so I got the best You better talk to them! Shut the best of all worlds! You know what I'm saying? So, yeah, let's get into it. Okay, let's let's hop right into this. I got so many questions about past, present, but... I just let's start on how you got into track because people need to know how did you how did you find the hurdles? Did the hurdles find you or did you choose the hurdles? Um, I got into track when I was seven years old. I had just moved to Houston and my mama was walking around a track and a coach just stopped me and my big brother and was like, Do y'all wanna run? And my mom was like, take them, please. <laughs> and so that's how I started running track. And I kind of um, geared towards the hurdles because my older brother ran the hurdles. And it was I felt like I had a cheat code with him. <laughs> and I started running the hurdles when I was in high school, like my freshman year. Did you ever do the 300 hurdles? Yes. I actually started off as a long hurdler. And my first coach in high school told me I would never be fast enough to run the 100 hurdles. Boom. And, and <laughs> he would not let me try. And I ended up running the 100 hurdles under another girl's name in order to run it for the first time. And then after that, I just stuck to both. So I was a dual hurdler all through high school. And then um, I actually signed to be a dual hurdler in college as well. So you just... You just said that you had to run under somebody else's name. <laughs> Y'all ain't done that before? I've done that before. Oh. <laughs> Damn it, track. Did, did you make her look real good? Was she happy that you ran under her name? I mean, I definitely did not run faster than she could have <laughs> run. But it was my first race in... We was like homegirls, so she was going to be okay. You got plenty more races. You don't need like, let me do this. I love that. Okay, so we're going to talk. Your college experience is very, like, unique. And woo, so let's let's get into this because you attended the University of Oregon. But let's talk about your recruiting process. So what was your recruiting process like from high school to choosing what school you went to? My recruiting process was so strenuous like it was the worst process ever everybody made it seem like it was just such a glorified process but I had literally every single school you can think of on my heels and everybody's coach in my house and everybody like in my ear telling me where to go telling me what to do um I was like it was only me and another hurdler out of Texas that was top recruit for the hurdles. So um, I really had the pick of the litter. I could have went anywhere and Oregon slid in at the last minute. And I was like, Ooh, thank the Lord. Jesus. 
because <laughs> I didn't want to stay in Texas because I felt like I was gone. I wasn't going to be able to like focus. Yeah. So I had been in Texas for a very long time. And so I had already committed to Texas A&M. And then once Oregon doubled back and solidified my spot, I decommitted and packed my bags up and got on that first clean out of there. <laughs> my recruiting process was long and it really didn't have to be as long as it was. Like it, we already knew where we wanted to go. So during that process, was there any schools that you were like, I really want to go to that school, but then you went to the program. It was kind of like, Ooh, I don't fit this program. Yes, there was, there were, there were schools that not necessarily the program, but the atmosphere and like the team. Mm -hmm. So if I could do it all over again, I probably, let me not say that. Let me not do that one. (laughs) I was going to give y'all some good tea, but I I didn't fit in with the LSU team at all. And that was a really, really high contender for me. Um, So it was like almost immediately once I got there, got around the team, I was like, yeah, this is a no-go. Pretty much the same for um, UT with Mm -hmm. uh, Tanja Bailey. That was a big contender for me because she was a dual hurler. Back in her time, also she's a black woman, and I just feel like me and her, like coach and athlete dynamic, would have been great. But the team could not hold it together for forty-eight hours, <laughs> so I was like, "This is definitely not the, the spot for me." So, um, yeah, I think really like any any school that I immediately said no to was just atmosphere and, and just the athletes that were there, not necessarily the programs. Because when I was in high school we were doing like long programs like we're out run like longer distances and stuff like that so I was really shying away from any work as far as like you know nothing like that but definitely the atmosphere I think that needed to be talked because a lot of the times people do just kind of talk about their visits and they make it sound so fun like I had a great time on this trip (laughs) no but here's the thing the thing is that sometimes when you go on the visits Things look perfect until you get there. So I feel like for some people, like it's great when you can feel that up front because now you like like legs, like I'm not coming here. But I yeah. feel like some people get duped because you already know the program and stuff is good. But when you hear like coaches talk, like they'll be like, you know, if you ain't really got nothing good to say, then like stay away from the recruits because I don't want nothing like bad to be spreading all the other stuff. So a lot of times what really goes on in the program or like the things that could keep an athlete from committing or actually make them want to commit. Maybe they don't care. Um, those things aren't really brought up when kids go on their visits. Well, my actually Oregon was my most boring <laughs> visit ever because I visited so late. I didn't even visit during a football game. I visited sometime like during a basketball game, like maybe it was already fall. And I had the worst, worst, worst host in the world. I love Sasha to death. (laughs) But she was just like so disconnected from me. Like she didn't want to have no fun. She was like, we're going to carve pumpkins. Like we was doing like the worst things ever. And I remember once I committed, I told Coy Johnson, never let her host anybody ever again. Like, (laughs) never. (laughs) Like I can't. 
I knew I was going to come here, but if I was waiting to have some fun on that visit, I would have never came. <laughs> Look, let me tell you, fun where? Because <laughs> None. No fun. No fun. I remember that, though. I definitely. <laughs> it was horrible. The thing to do. And I definitely I had one of those visits, but I didn't end up going to that school. So what made you choose Oregon? Honestly, I, I felt like um, I was going to be good anywhere. I feel like I just wanted to go somewhere that I could rebrand myself. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to just get away from the life that I had already built in Texas. So honestly, I, didn't, I all of the other schools were in Texas except for LSU. And I just feel like it was a good program. I feel like I could... It was a space for me to fit in because they had Sasha, but they didn't really have anybody else as far as hurdlers ever. Yeah. So, and I, I liked Coach Curtis a lot. So. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> so then we get into Oregon. You get there and you had some struggles, but wanted to find out there was a reason for these struggles so I just want you to kind of talk about that experience of what it was like competing because I know you were getting frustrated with all of that was going on and then finally you got sent to some doctor's appointments and things started to finally get figured out so you want to talk about it yeah um so a lot of people don't know that I have hypothyroidism and um, obviously, I didn't know that I had hypothyroidism. My uh, senior year, I started performing poorly. My senior in high school, I started performing poorly. And we just thought, you know, she's tired. She runs all these races, whatever, whatever. And once I got to Oregon, it just kind of lingered on. I was like killing myself at practice every day. <laughs> And like going above and beyond and like nothing was working. And I just remember Coach Johnson like pulling up a picture of me from high school <laughs> and saying, where is this girl at? Because if this girl don't come back, you're going back to Texas. Like, and I'm like, all right, I can't. <laughs> I'm not going back to the strip club, Stevie. That's the strip club is crazy. <laughs> no. No, hey. Bruh, so I was like, it was, all jokes aside, it really was a very dark time because I did choose a school that was so far away from my home and anybody that I knew. And all I had done was track before I got to college. So I didn't really have an identity outside of track and field. So to be put in a position where I'm at this school where they have the best of the best of the best. And they're all succeeding. And you have to watch that from the outside looking in, knowing that I should have be able to have a piece of that pie. That was that was hard. Like as a seven, I went to college at 17. So that was hard, like a 17-year-old girl. Um, and just trying to figure out like, okay, so what does that look like for me? If I do go back home or you know, just just how does that look like for education and everything like that? So, um, really, y'all just kept fighting. I was taking my little wins. I remember I couldn't even get over the hurdles. I remember one time at practice, 
I made it over three hurdles and like everybody started clapping under the gray stands and I'm like, I'm supposed to do this. This is nuts. Like, I just remember crying. I cried like every day and I just didn't, I really kept everything to myself. I really didn't reach out to my family because, you know, we didn't come from a lot. Like we came from poverty. And I just didn't want to put extra stress on my mom, knowing that it's really nothing that she could do, like, in that situation. So I really didn't say nothing. I really just ate it up and kept my head down and tried to do what I could. Once we, I went, I was getting my blood work done so often that I had bruises on my arms from getting so much blood work done, from them trying to figure out what's going on. And I just remember when the doctor came in and she was like, we don't have to run this one more time because this is crazy. Like you have a thyroid disease, but we've never seen it like in this capacity for someone so young. Um, And according to the chart, you shouldn't even be able to walk. So I don't really know what's going on. And they re-ran the test. Everything was exactly the same. And they put me on bed rest for like a month. And then I was out for like three months. But I remember that was right before Pepsi Relays, um, which was our home track meet outdoors that season. And I ran up to Coach Curtis. I'm like, everybody owe me an apology right now. (laughs) Let's go. Because y'all been doing me dirty, been talking bad about me, threatening to send me back home every day. Just just for something I couldn't even control. And like, I get it now looking back on it. Like I get it from a business perspective, but just from a mentor perspective, like mm-hmm. at the end of the day, we're young adults. Like we're very impressionable in, in those type of situations. If I wasn't the person that I am, that could have ended up a lot worse than it did. Yeah. Um, so whenever I talk to people about college, I don't necessarily tell them like, oh, don't go to this school because I had this experience. But more so choose a school that you feel comfortable with that coach that's the most important because when you're away from the house that's the person who's going to be filling your head with ideas that's the person who's supposed to be molding you um since you're so malleable at that age and I don't feel like I was in a position where I had people that were looking out for my best interests in that way in like a mental health capacity so yeah it was it was hard I didn't really get along with the girls. Like, <laughs> I remember us had sitting down and them saying she doesn't deserve her scholarship. Yeah, Tell me who I gotta beat up, lady. Jasmine, beat up. Jasmine, she was mean. Jasmine was a mean girl. I was not mean. Very vicious. Okay. Lay is vicious with a mouth. Okay. Let's let's get these facts straight. (laughs) Nah, hold on. For everybody listening, so now when y'all see that I be bullying Jasmine on these podcasts because she always been a bully. And I got the evidence now. I got the evidence. Nah, Jasmine, 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 Jasmine was hurtful just because I really loved Jasmine when I went on my visit. And so I thought we were friends and stuff like that. And then when I got there, she was pretty much siding with everybody else. Like, take her money and give it to us. Like, <laughs> this is nuts. 
But I didn't have a good reputation with the girls. Um, but it, it it really wasn't just, you know, me just, you know, wanting to be that type of way. It was just I was going through so much that I feel like nobody else could understand. Oh. Then I'm then it's so much judgment coming from each and every way. So it's like I didn't have I didn't have no sympathy or empathy for anybody else or what anybody else thought or had to say about me because y'all don't understand what I'm going through personally. And it's easy to say, you know, she doesn't deserve her scholarship because she's not performing, which I mean, logistically, it makes sense. Like, I don't because I'm not performing. But at the end of the day, like I said, when you're so young, like, I feel like that really helped. I was already in a position coming from high school, coming and just coming from the place that I'm from, like Chicago, Houston, like these are hard places to grow up in. So I always been a hard girl. Like I never just been a, a real soft girl. Like I always defend myself and I'm always, you know, on attack. Go. I'm always on go because you just always. So <laughs> going into college, I should have been able to be in a position where I learned that the world was um, a sweeter place for girls like me. But my specific, you know, experience didn't teach me that it taught me that no they'll stay on you so <laughs> stay, so mm-hmm. do what you do 10 times harder and and it sucks I'm still paying for the experiences that I went through in college and just how I had to handle those experiences now like not being able to let people in or just always thinking that you know people are always you know against you or people are always there to take something from you because in every aspect of my life people have said that I wasn't worthy of the things that I have when I've never had a silver spoon and I've always had to work for what I had so I don't know it, it's cultivating the experience for me I had to learn how to re-navigate the world but yeah them girls they was <laughs> them was some girls at that school let me tell oh. you but Rolf way when I tell you like I think it was after I left when it was for me realizing and also doing a lot of talking with Sasha because me and Sasha got a lot closer is when you and I got a lot closer because then it was like, I can understand all the that she was going through me trying to (laughs) cuss. But I'm like, like, (laughs) (laughs) me having to add some ad libs, I'm trying not to cuss as much anymore, but no. You know, just let me handle let, let me catch the heat for it. Let me catch the heat for it. Now I'm playing. I don't need no more text messages from my coach talking about watching out. So, uh, but while we're on the topic, because I'll, I would save it for later, but since we're already talking about you and having hyperthyroidism, with it now today, how does that affect you today? And how have you been navigating functioning with it? So, I mean, today is no different than it was when I first found out, you know, it's, it's on a different level and it's not something that's curable. It's something that's manageable. So every year that I go into something new is like me having to refigure out and restructure how I navigate my thyroid. So coming out of Oregon, going to Texas Tech. I had to figure out now I'm with different doctors. Now they're, I don't have, you know, specialty doctors or, you know, all everything that I had access to there. So I had to figure that out. So it's a day-to-day thing and it just depends on, you know, what strive of life I'm in. So, you know, 
I'm in a better position now that I have health insurance and I have, you know, some some sort of resources where I can go to um, my specialist who's in Dallas. I just fly to her all the time. Um, but before that, I didn't have those resources. So I was going to like general um, doctors and they didn't know as much information. So we weren't able to make the proper adjustments in order for me to perform at a high level. So I think even last year, when I um, pulled out at the end of this season, you know, I'm not going to say that's fully on my thyroid, but majority of it was just my body just in, in shock. Like, hold on, we're doing a lot. Because <laughs> the year before that, I ain't run. I think people be forgetting. Yeah. <laughs> oh, no, she just don't want to run because she wasn't winning. Like, hold on, baby. I haven't ran in two years. I haven't competed in two years. Like, this is a lot. <laughs> and it's a lot mentally and it's a lot emotionally having to be in front of people and talk and engage and, and that's a lot and all of that has to do with my thyroid like I don't I, I have mood swings I have a lot of depression so a lot of anxiety like those are side effects like heavy side effects of being being you know having this disease and then so having to be in front of people and using my social battery <laughs> Like that's a lot. Everything is a lot. So just having to figure out how to navigate track and field and what's really important and necessary and only doing those things and then, you know, putting my prioritizing my hope after that. So yeah, pretty much that's that's what we do. So whenever I don't feel well, I'll get tested. Um, they'll test my top thyroid levels and if they're off, we'll make adjustments. But those adjustments don't they don't change within my body the next day or the next week. It'll take like a month or so. So that's why I pulled out last year. We, I didn't feel good. We got tested. The thyroid levels was all over the place. It, it makes no sense. We already see how I compete when the thyroid ain't right. So yeah. Let's not even do that. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me ask you something right quick. So you were just talking about how that affects a lot of like your mental health too. It's not just um, physical things. And in a sport like this, that's so heavy on, you gotta be mentally tough. And if it's not there, I'm gonna whoop your ass. That's how I be feeling sometimes. <laughs> that's really how I feel. They'd be like, if you's not 10 toes down, 25, eight, like you ain't never gonna be shit in this sport. And I feel like that's such an unfortunate way to kind of think about it because we're human and things affect us. Um, and so I wanted to know how for you with knowing that this particular health issue causes mental health struggles as well, how do you get yourself to, um, to get to the point to where you can push through things mentally in a sport and at the level that you're at? Yeah, I just gotta have like, you know, I don't care about nothing attitude and people, they look at it like, oh, she's stuck up or she doesn't really want to, you know, fit in and stuff like that. But it's like, at the end of the day, I have to protect my own mental. And I mean, just to be honest, a lot of things in this sport isn't isn't productive to what I'm trying to do. Um, and a lot of people's comments aren't productive to what I'm trying to do. So I feel like I navigate that space well, in my opinion, um, because I already am coming in 10 steps behind everybody else. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm already coming in with less resources. I'm already coming in um with a with a health issue and I, I never know what's going to happen when I step on the track I don't have that security of knowing that I don't have any injuries I'm 110% healthy I can go out here and dog it's like 
I might feel like that and my body might be feeling something completely different. Mm. I never know how I might react coming off of, you know, a nine hour flight. Sometimes I'm ready to go right off the flight. Sometimes I need <laughs> a days. So it's just like, I have to control what I can control to make, you know, the variables as small and minute as possible because, you know, it's a big thing for me. So I, for instance, I got a lot of slack for coming to world championships I think I came like three days before the race. Oh, they ate me up, baby. They was on my head. Why? Eating you up. Everybody oh was eating me up because they were saying that I wasn't, that, you know, I didn't want to be a part of the team and I wasn't close with an experience for people and blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, well, one, one, we can't afford it. Okay. Like you talking about coming to Eugene, Oregon, it's very expensive to be there. Yes. And in my specific training situation, I train with NFL and NBA. And you're talking about at a pivotal time for my coaches when it's off season for football they, and basketball, they have to be there. Like that's how they make the money. I would never take them out of a position to make money, you know, to be selfish and bring them somewhere where they ain't going to make no money. So I'm like, I had to, we had to do what was best for us. And Honestly, I didn't feel like it, it was a team event. Baby, I'm going to go out there, I'm going to win or I'm going to lose on my own. Like, it mm-hmm. just is what it is. And I didn't stay at the hotel with the team. Like, I really, really isolated myself last year just because it was so much going into that track meet. Like, nobody was in my position. And I'm not saying that to be, like, uh, you know, not humble or anything like that. But nobody was in my position with – the hype that I generated for myself and deserving and worthy of so much and giving nothing. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that race was a $500,000 race. Like I'm on the line $500,000 and I should never have to do that. I should never put in those positions to have like, it be a life or death situation. I'm getting on the line. It's life or death. And then there's other people who have not done you know, nearly what I've done in one season with no resources and they have safety nets. I just feel like I didn't want to be around. I feel like, you know, I'm just going to do what I usually do, which is be by myself and be around my coaches and people that I feel like, you know, are productive to what I'm trying to do on a, in the a sport. And I got eight up for that. Eight up. That's so strange to me because the reason why I, I like me hearing that, I don't like it because like no shade to anybody else, but Sydney doesn't always stay at the team hotel when we travel. She stays somewhere else. Christian Coleman hadn't stayed at the team hotel. He stayed somewhere else. So the fact that they're, they gave you a lot of slack for that is kind of strange to me. Like (laughs) it's, I guess it's throwing me off because it's like, at the end of the day, we know that you don't have a sponsorship and that you're working with a lot of people who have other jobs and things on their line as well. So if you took two seconds, not even two whole seconds, like a second and a half to think about the, the, the small things that they know about you, then you would understand, okay, it's probably something that has to do with that as to why she's not here. And even if you didn't want to stay with the team at the hotel, like what, what does that have to do with you and everybody else's performance? At the end of the day, it's just a place for you to lay your head. I feel like because I'm so ambiguous that it's easier for people to, to say that the things that I do are because I'm a bitch or because I don't want to be a part of or just because I'm such an outcast instead of it just being, you know, a genuine reason for the things that I do just because people don't know anything about me because I don't 
you know, I feel like I'm, I'm an open person, but I don't just really readily share myself with the sport and I'm not like track and field is my life. So people don't appreciate, you know, what I bring to the sport. So I feel like it's, it's easier for them to just associate that with whatever, you know, they might have heard through the grapevine. She has a strong personality. She's opinionated. You know what I'm saying? She drama, whatever the case is. So when I do something, it's easier for them to just be like, oh yeah, she is at the team hotel because she's she's just dramatic. Like, you know what I'm saying? She she's wants to be by herself because she thinks she's above everybody. Is I think that's really where I have where I have fallen into in check and field. Like I really don't feel like I have a space in this sport because of things like that, because I'm not willing to like going off of the stuff, like going off and of bringing up Sydney. I get why she act the way she act. I would act that way too because <laughs> I don't have to share my entire life with you all for y'all to respect what I do on the track. Yeah. So me sharing is me opening up and giving y'all the opportunity to learn a part of my life. I don't have to do that. That's the option that I I chose to do, mm-hmm. but I'm at the cross world right now going into this second season where it's like, I wanted to be the hero, but y'all want me to be the villain so bad. I might just have to fill the role. Like that is kind of how I feel right now going into this season. Cause I'm just like, I don't feel like fighting no more. Like I'm tired. And if everybody has a preconceived notion of who I am, then really, who am I to go and change all of your minds? Because I'm going to run the same regardless. But I am going to be ostracized for whether that's who I am for real or that's who y'all make me out to be. Yeah. No, I definitely, I feel that. I love that. Lay, I love that for you. I mean, I would rather you just do you as opposed to trying to fit a mold because that's what attracts people to anybody but to hear anyone talk about how you're not a team person because this is one of my questions like you're such a you are big on your team it's never I did this I got here if someone says gives you a compliment you you make sure that your team has that compliment you make sure all your coaches no one can just say Mo because you're gonna make sure that the way coach also gets their kudos, you're gonna make sure Jasmine gets her kudos for being there and mentoring you. So, can we talk about your team and what they mean to you? Yeah, like my team is everything, like that's really the family that I chose. And I tell people that all the time, like without them, then I just I would have never had opportunities, and it's crazy just because. They, you know, they do what they do on the track and they do what they do in the weight room. But, like, they're the people who I call and cry to. They're the people who have to, like, pick me up every two months when I have a breakdown and I'm like, I don't want to do nothing no more. (laughs) Like, they're the people who have to really go through, like, the company shutting me down, getting emails talking about our fit brands and I don't this and this and that. And like, we're the ones who have to sit down and be like, this is nuts. Like, this is crazy. Why do these people hate you? Like, so they're really like everything. And just the, just, you know, them giving me an opportunity when I was in the position that I was in, nobody knew I would be here at this moment. 
you know, and when I came in and they didn't treat me any different than the dudes that have been in the NFL for 10 years or, or like, you know, your household names. I was in there and I put in the work and they told me as long as I put in the work, they'll put in the work and they honor everything. Like they make sure at the end of the day, I have somewhere to lay my head and I got food to eat and I got a car to drive and it's just like, I would never, ever, ever, ever change my team for anybody because people who choose to believe in you are going to stay around and genuinely care about you over people that believed in you because of they saw something. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like my team is awesome. Like Mo, Jordan, Jasmine, and I have a new hurdle coach as well. Like everybody just fits in. Even my agent, um, I'm, I'm with John, uh, Nubini. So we all just mesh very well. Even my marketing agent, like I, everybody that comes in, we all have a unique way of communicating with each other. And, and it's so open that there is at no point where I don't know what you're thinking or how you're feeling or which way you feel like we should sway. Like every decision is going through five or six people before it's being made. And like all of this is a plan working backwards from the actual end goal. So yeah, my team is lit. And I think everybody just be hating because we be having so much fun turned up. <laughs> you know what I love too is I remember when you first started running well again because it's not as if you hadn't ran well and people like to act like you and Mary Beth came out of nowhere. Let them know, <laughs> let them know, let them know. But you got back on your game and people were asking you, hey, like, can I come train with you? And you were shutting it down. Can you talk to us about that? No, why do y'all want to come? No, now, okay, I'm not gonna lie. At first, it was more of like an automatic response. Like, no, when I was down and out, nobody wanted to, nobody was coming to me and letting me train with them. Nobody mm. was worried about late. Nobody, you know what I'm saying? But then it became, you know, we sat down and actually talked it out. For one, my coaches don't want to train check and field. There's no money in the sport. Like, it, it's not something that they can live off of. Um, and it only takes away from what they're doing with other sports that are they're actually making money off of. So it's, it's already going to be a no from the top. But when the girls come to me and they're like, can I train with you? Like, no, I've been there and did that. I was in groups before I got to my coach. People don't understand that. I was with Boogie when he was at CSUN. I was with, I was with coaches. I was with accredited coaches. I was in groups. I was by people and I was just not in a space where I want to share resources. I already have limited resources. I, I don't want to share the limited ones that I have. And no, just no. I, and I just don't want, it's just kind of like that thing where you don't want the dynamic to change. Like I am the princess. Like I'm, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not letting up off that ass. <laughs> I mean, but so, that's no space though. So yeah, and it's something that I took the time to go create for myself. You know what I'm saying? Like each mm-hmm. puzzle, each person is there specifically because they are designed to match what I need specifically. We don't have time to moderate or change things to fit the next person because we don't do things halfway. So if somebody was right. to come in, 
they would have something completely different that would be form-fitting to them. And that's a lot to ask of somebody, mm-hmm. especially when they're pouring all these resources into me and we still have not <laughs> reaped everything we've sold. Like, yes. so at this point, it just doesn't make sense. And honestly, unless it was somebody truly of my caliber or but way better than me, then it, it doesn't make sense from a training standpoint. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So like, okay, here it is. So like, I'm yeah. just being a bit because everybody's like, she don't want no training. That's not. That's I, not I, being I, a bit though. that because I I get the same way. I was the same way two years ago. I still am the same way. I do the same thing now. I tell you guys in the same way. Why are you training them? Relax. Yep. I know. I know what Jazz would be talking about, y'all. She, she for real. She don't like coaches. And then I think, really, if we're being honest, a lot of the people that came to me, and I'm not trying to be shady and be rude or nothing, but a lot of the people that came to me came to me wanting to train with us for the wrong reasons. Mm. Y'all wanted to train with us because of the people that we had access to, the network that we're buying, or or because we look fun. Or whatever case is, but I haven't had one person that wanted to train with us because they did their research on on Morgan or on or on Jordan and was like, I've seen them, you know, create superstars from the ground up. Like nobody did that. <laughs> when I went to Morgan, he was doing part time with a couple of track and field athletes doing some testing and stuff for them because we have the resources. But nobody was putting their faith in him to do that 110 percent. And when he trusted in me I trusted in him because I believed in what he could do and I believed in what Jordan could do none of y'all have came to me and said I y'all don't even know what we do at practice so you don't even know the program so so that right there let alone tells me that you don't even care about that you see that bad result and you just want to be a part of something that's something now like no we can't you know what I'm saying we can't do that because the more miles we got to feed, the less food we get to eat. I'm already behind 37. Already behind. She like, said what she said, y'all. <laughs> it's too many of us. Like you gotta understand when the NFL players come and the basketball players come, like, oh my God, I'm the last person God. anybody thinks of. That's like, a lot. Because like he has names, which is why I also love that it's like, no, we're we're not about to add no more track people because he does have such an elite group, which is also why I admire his work and especially with you, regardless. I'm like that 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 shit is crazy. You had me cuss. I just tried not to cuss, but I had to say it. <laughs> no, yeah. Him and Jordan, like, you know, they they pretty much work with the same people, but they and the relationship that they have with all the athletes is just phenomenal like it's crazy and it's crazy and Jordan doesn't get as much shine as he should because he's definitely like running the game and strength and conditioning he's just not as flashy and I try to tell him like you gotta be a little bit more flashy so the people know what you own because you know he, he's in the same building they we all work for the same people um but yeah, like girl, I'm number 57 on the chart when everybody come back, like <laughs> 58, like <laughs> oh no. And I don't like it's just too much. It's gonna be drama. Like, I don't know how people mix with other people. Like, we have a good dynamic, it just doesn't need to be changed. So, how did you guys connect? Like, how did you and Mo come about? 
So me and Mo have been knowing each other since I was in college, um, just off the strength of him running for LSU. And when I moved to Dallas, he was from, he's from Dallas. Well, he's from Shreveport, but he, he did a lot of work in Dallas. And I cannot particularly remember the exact moment that we reconnected, but I do remember him hitting me up like, hey, I'm in town. Do you want to go grab something to eat? And I'm like, yeah. And we sat down at this taco spot. And I'm like, do you want to train me full time? And he's like, no. <laughs> Not no. <laughs> he said it so slick. Like, he was like, no, why would I want to do that? And I'm like, okay. And I like, let it go. And then I hit him again. Like, do you want to train me? He's like, okay, you could do like one week with me, three weeks in Dallas. So I was going one week to um, IMG Academy where he was at first and um I was doing like all my testing and doing hurdle stuff there and I already knew like right when I got there like oh he's gonna love me like we we just mesh so well like we both the same size like we just we <laughs> like lit like we yeah. literally lit we just run like when we step in places like we just run it like we just have so much fun we bounce energy off of each other and when I left I had text him again it was like you don't want to train me full time? And he was like, no. And so it, it was like three months went by from the first time I had asked him and he ended up going to um, House of Athletes. Like he had got a new job because they shut the professional program down because of COVID for IMG. And he had hit me up like, we're going to be at House of Athletes still in Florida, it's Miami. And I'm like, you don't want to train me full time? And he like, whatever, come on. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, come on, come on. Like, don't, like, be for real. He like, come on. Girl, I was on a plane within the next week or two. I didn't tell anybody either. I literally just, I was like, okay, babe, I made a plan. And within two weeks, I went out there. I was there on July 4th. Like, I'm here. <laughs> and it was like, I'm here now. So. It literally was here because I remember seeing you in Texas. And then all of a sudden, I'm like, she went more. I know more down in Florida. <laughs> Come in Miami, baby. I was, it was an easy move for me because I was getting into some stuff in Texas. Like I was just living a regular, normal personal life. Like I was working all the jobs and I was just re being regular. Like I was going out, I was brunching and I was with my family. Like that was the first time me and my family was back together since I came, went to college. So like, I had a blast, but I knew that in order for me, if I wanted to run, I had to alleviate, like, all of those other things, like, mm. all of those distractions. So, for me, it was, like, it was just easier to just not tell nobody. And then the day before I left, I'm like, y'all, I'm moving to Miami tomorrow. Oh. And, they like, and they're like, well, who paid the rent? Like, <laughs> I paid the rent, but I'm, I'm gone. <laughs> so, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, it was cool. Like, it forced me to really you know, decide what I wanted to do. Like, and I really had to tell myself, I'm going to give myself one year. Like, Eric, Mo had this long, drawn-out plan for three years. He's like, we got three years, and we're going to get you back to where you were. And I'm like, in my mind, I have one year, baby. Like, one. And if I'm not, you know, if I ain't doing nothing, I'm done because I already gave two years of my regular life doing regular stuff and still trying to train on the side, like, it was just too much. So it was like, if this is not going to, you know, benefit me, if I'm not going to be a part of this sport for real, then I just need to let it go and 
you know, going by my life. And I was content with that decision. And I just remember saying, God, I got to show me something this year or I'm done. Mm-hmm. And watch what you say. Because. I saw you something. No, that, that's a fact. I saw you something. So dead serious. Because I said the same in 2019. I said the same thing. And then boom. And I'm like, damn, I better watch. I need to watch what the hell I'm saying. Because I'd be trying to leave. And God be like, no, girl. Where you thought you was going? <laughs> Surprise. Move every time so. surprise <laughs> he go and with the way that man works he gonna put you in places that other people feel like you're not supposed to be and when you start shaking some stuff up you're gonna be like oh so this is what this no seriously <laughs> he did he did what he did and then the devil started working overtime of course the more you get worse, God, the devil gonna be right there on your shoulder trying to get you to fall over, man. Girl, I said, you don't got nobody else to work on today. <laughs> you work on no. 20, 20, 28. Like, come on, bro. <laughs> yeah, it was it's crazy. But yeah, Mo is like me and Jordan are like brother and sister. Like, that's the type of relationship we have. Like, we talk about everything, like. We're messy, like with each other. <laughs> We're like, you know, Mo would say something and we would cackle on the side. <laughs> yeah. And then it's like, and then it's like, Mo is like my dad. Like the way that he, the way our relationship is, is like he has so many expectations of me all the time. I be having to tell him, chill out. <laughs> like we get to check factors and he like, yeah, we doing this, this, and that. I'm like, who's doing this, this, and that? You're nuts. Like you know, chill out, calm down. <laughs> Stick to the plan. So, like, <laughs> he he's always expecting so much of me. And I even have a dad growing up. So that is something that I felt I was going to get, you know, in college. We're having two male Black coaches, and I didn't get that. So now it's like, it's a new dynamic. And it's like, we argue all the time. <laughs> but we get stuff done. And we argue all the time. But I trust him. Like, if you tell me to jump off the bridge, I'm going to argue you down until you can tell me how this is going to make me better. But then <laughs> tell me how it's going to, you know, benefit me. I'll do it. It's going to go some character. Yeah, like, but definitely, definitely a great balance there. Like, I need Jordan because me and Jordan be on the sidelines. Like, man, this this for the birds. You want to go get something to eat? Like, I'm, I'm hungry. Like, that's what we <laughs> But he is so, like, he's so much of a bright light, Jordan. Like, Mo is so serious. He's like, get out here and wear everybody out. And JB's like, kill him, but have a good time. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good balance to have. That's a really good balance to have. (laughs) So... So let's get, let's get it. I know you said you want to kind of forget this year, but, like, also... I, we can't forget this year because you handled some shit this year, girl. It's like, a lot of great stuff happened too. It's not like all of it was something that you didn't want to happen. Okay, like let, yeah. let's get into the year. Let's walk me through because clearly you got a different perspective from what we got because to me, you had a fucking phenomenal year no yeah. matter what. So I want to hear from your end. Like, how do you feel your year went? No, I had a blast, bro. Like, I had a time last year. <laughs> um, not for real, though. I, I really did. Like, um, 
going into, you know, we trained. I started training in August last year. So we trained for a long time. Like, um, then I started competing in December. And I just remember everybody like, she competing in Villa early. This is crazy. Like, girl, my but now we going into competing, it was like nuts because I hadn't competed in so long. I'm like, I don't know what's gonna happen when I get on this track. Like, girl, I might not even know how to run no more. And nobody knows, but we were struggling, hurdling. Um, so we didn't hurdle before I hurdled my first race. So when when we were warming up. And they told me they told me I had lane eight for the uh, first indoor race, and we was like, "Hey man, because if you can't get over the hurdle, you could just go on the side. Like you ain't gotta hurt yourself." <laughs> and like that was our thought process because we just really had no idea. Like we really just went in blind, you know. And we and, and Mo on the side, like I don't know if this shit really gonna work because we finna see. Like you know, so everybody, <laughs> everybody really was on edge. Like, is it working? What, you know, what's really going on? So when I ran my first race, he said I was going to run like an 8-3. And I had ran an 8-0. And I'm like, oh, you know what I'm saying? Talk to somebody, but it ain't me. Like, we ran. <laughs> so after that, like, I really needed that, you know, confidence boost. Because that was my PR um, in college was 8-0. So I'm like, okay, we back. Like, you can't ask for nothing better than uh, equal to your PR. So, I just, we just wrote with the punches. Like, wherever we went, we was, like, packing up the car and just driving to the meeting. Mm. <laughs> and it was just a fun experience because it was just us. And we didn't have anybody putting on outside expectations with us. Like, we was just rolling. We were showing up, showing up at the meet. Wearing what I wanted to wear, doing my hair I want to do, not talking to nobody, just warming up, walking on the track, running, chunking up the nooses, walking off. Like, <laughs> it was really just fun. Like, it was just like, okay, like, we them boys. Like, that's how I felt. Like, it was like, we mobbing. Like, it was just an unreal, you know, situation. Then going into indoor USA. We had no expectations. Like, I used to suck at indoors. Like, I will always make it to nationals, barely, by the last by the last spot and then not do nothing. Um, so, like, I've never been an indoor person. I have a good start. So, you know, we didn't expect nothing. So, really, I had ran a race. The race was nuts because I really was, like, fit the whole race and then really just started walking everybody down. When I crossed the line, though, I thought I was, like, third or fourth. And then I turned around. And I was thinking, I was like, oh, my lean is something crazy. Like, I'm in there. <laughs> I'm in there. I'm like, oh, my God, we just made our first USA team. And it's indoors. Like, y'all are crazy for letting me make this team because that's nuts. Like, to come back. Like, seriously, like, to come back from not running for two years and then make the first team that yeah. you was like. And it's not something that I'm strong at. You know, we just worked for it. I just kept pushing on it, kept working. Like, I, like you know, I could have gave up during that race. I was already, it's a 60 hurt. It's, it goes so fast. Like, but I just stayed in there, lean, like, whatever happens, happened. And it was a blast. Like, I was taking trips. Like, I was <laughs> really going nuts all year. Like, I'm such a private person. You know, the world wasn't seeing that. But I was Right after USA's, I was on a flight to the Dominican Republic. Like, I was gone. Like, um, I was just having a blast. We were having a blast. And then 
I think where the shift came, we went to LSU for our first check me outdoors. And I fell on like a hurdle nine and 10. But that, that wasn't really the, the problem because it was like, I had got out last. I really, I really went crazy, you know, and I was in first when I failed. And I think um, Aaliyah ended up winning with like a 12-7 or something. So I'm like, we running the time, like the time there. Like we made it to the ninth and 10th hurdle. And I, I have never felt that speed that I had in between before. So I'm like, you know, we gonna be good. It wasn't until we ran at U of H and I had, basically that was my opener and I ran 12-5. And I looked at the clock, I'm like, 12.5, cause my PR was 12.69, you know, damn near 12.7 before I stepped on the track. So it was like 12.5, like we cutting up. Like, yeah. they can't, <laughs> they can't mess with me. And I had ran Bermuda before that and I had run a 200 Oh, Bermuda don't count, baby, because the wind was out of this world. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, like once we ran at U of H, it was kind of like, okay, that's where the shift was made because we thought like, okay, we're going to make some money. Like, okay, we on, like we didn't just do all this for nothing. And I think that's where we became naive in thinking if you earn it, you'll be rewarded with it because we wasn't. And I think every track meet that I ran after that, it just got worse and worse and worse where it was like, I was getting bigger, but the opportunities weren't coming. Mm-hmm. And it was just an excuse after excuse after excuse after every time I still get up there and I still show out to the point where I didn't even want to run in New York. Like I cried. I did not want to go. It was my first track meet with no coach. I didn't want to go. I cried. I don't want to go. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. please. I was putting up, y'all. I felt horrible. Like, I felt tired. Like, when I ran in Puerto Rico and I had beat Jasmine, it was so much drama surrounded by it. Like, that should have been a really big moment for me, but it was so much drama. Like, it it took away from my moment. I just feel like every time I get two steps forward, y'all just kicking the 10 steps back. Like, dang. Like, it was kicking me in my chest. Like, it was crazy the way it was doing me. So, it became to the point where it's like, like I said, I don't feel like I got no space here. Like, what are we really doing? Like, what are we really fighting for? So, I didn't want to run in New York. I literally told JB I'm not running. Because most of he was going to be there, he never showed up. I said, I'm not running. <laughs> like, he called me at the last meeting. He's like, I'm not going to make it. Flight. Like, the flights was acting crazy or whatever. Go out there and just do what you do. Like, I'm not doing that. Like, I don't know what to tell you. I told you, I'm not doing it. I got up. I walked to, like, the little corner store. Got me a, a, a bagel with some bacon, egg, and cheese. Like, I was munching down. Like, they like, oh, we got to get on the bus. I, I didn't even do my hair or nothing, y'all. Like, I got outside. I was sleep on the bus the whole time. I got outside. Mind you, I'm with Tia. Tia Jones. So I get outside, Tia start warming up. She's like, you're not going to warm my, I'm not running, Tia. I don't know what to tell you. I'm not running. <laughs> Literally like 20 minutes before the race, my cousin came and I felt bad because like my cousin had came and he ain't never seen me run in person. So I was like, I'm going to just run the race. I, I did a little A skip, B skip, a little six step over her. <laughs> and went out there and cut 
Because no, like you, you ran hella fast. Um, Twenty minutes late. So, bro, I I put this on everything. I caught Tia right now. I'm gonna come. Tia was like, "Girl, you did an A skip and a B skip." Like mm-hmm. what? Because I was like, you know, whatever. I just run. I wasn't even thinking nothing of it. Like you know, I had been stopped thinking like, oh, this is a competition. Like way, way back three track meets ago. Like, at this point, it's not even like I'm out here competing. It's like I'm out here entertaining. You know what I'm saying? So that's how I look at the check me Like, oh, this is a this is an entertainment, you know, opportunity. Like, I'm just out here putting on a show for y'all because I'm not really getting nothing from being here for real. You know, so I was like, I ain't doing it. I ain't entertaining for free no more. <laughs> and then I was like, let me just go do it because my cousin here. And then I just ran hella fast. And I was like, oh, my God. And... It was just like even worse after I left. It was even worse. Cause it was like, I didn't, I'm okay with not having nothing when I don't deserve nothing. And before I started running, I didn't deserve, I wasn't looking for, you know? Like I didn't expect nothing. I wasn't yeah. asking for no handouts. But then it's even worse when it's like, it's just blatant disrespect at this point. You know what I'm right. saying? Like it's just, it's just blatant disrespect. Like, and Y'all ain't make nobody else work for it this hard. Like, I don't care what nobody say. You know what I'm saying? It's people who ain't never made a team, who ain't never ran the times I ran. Um, even, like, correlation, correlating to the times that I ran and their respective events, you know, um, that, that aren't fine. So I just felt like, you know, I started feeling like, what am I doing this for? Um, and then they, they just goes back into the mental aspect, like, which just triggers my thyroid, which just triggers everything. Like going into USA, I felt great the first day. I woke up the next day, I was throwing up. I felt horrible. Like I could barely get out of the bed. And Mo just looking at me like, what's tea? Like, is we running? Is we not running? I'm like, give me an hour. Like literally we walked in like two hours before we had to run. We went straight to the warm up and just... You know, I just went out there and did what I could do. Like, I could barely even run up the semis. And after the semis, we sit down, and he like, you don't have to run if you, if you can't. If you can't run, don't run. And then I remember T being down there. I'm like, man, I'm going to have to go run 12-3. Like, that, I just knew it in myself. I'm like, I'm going to have to run 12-3. And T looked at me like, you finna run 12-3? And I'm like, yeah. I'm going to have to pull this out of something because everybody expecting me. You know what I'm saying? Everybody's expecting something from me. And I feel like the moment I don't do what I'm supposed to do is going to be the moment that y'all try to make it seem like that's exactly why we never gave you nothing because we knew. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I went out there and did, you know, what I had to do. But if you look like me before the races at like USA's or even New York, I have a totally different aura about me than when I was in Puerto Rico or, um, you know, my uh, American Shackley meet, just because, like, it just, everybody took the fun out of it. Like, you know, I just feel like y'all just, nobody, how I want to put it, it's like, they just didn't want me there. Like, nobody wanted me there. Like, I'm a fan favorite, and y'all hate that. Like, y'all hate that I'm a fan favorite. So it's just like, it's crazy because like, yeah, that fan favorite is cool, but they don't pay your bills. Like, you know, 
you know, being, being, you know, having clout and whatever the case is, like, that's all cool, but it doesn't hate your business. Like, so I'm a realist. And at the end of the day, I kind of feel like if I'm not going to get paid to do this thing, I don't need to do this. I can do something else that, you know, I can make a living and be able to pay my bills and be able to take care of my family. Like, it's not just about, you know, wanting to have money. It's about being able to have stability because you deserve it because you've earned it. Because I worked my butt off to get here for three plus years, like ever since I left Oregon in 2017. Even when I stayed that last year when I benched it a little. Like, so I just like, I don't know. I feel like everybody was just trying to pull me down. And it was, it was just a place that I'd never been before, you know, worlds, everything. And then and then it being back in Oregon was like, ugh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Ice and like y'all gonna have it back here. Like it's nuts. Like everything about it, just everything came full circle. And I remember telling my agent, if like after USA, I said if I if I don't before USA, I said if I'm getting signed before worlds, I'm not running. Mm. And when I said that, he was like, huh? Excuse me? I was like, yeah. I was like, I'm not running. If I don't get signed before Worlds, I'm not running because what am I running for? Yeah. Like, honestly, in this sport, like, what are we trying to, you know, portray? Like, what what are the values and morals and ethics of this sport? Like, if I if I'm out there and I'm one of the best, and I'm the only person in my own personalized uniform, what like what are we what what are y'all trying to? Use me as an example for like what's the agenda. Yeah, what's the what's the hidden agenda? Because it feel like we fighting a battle we didn't even know we was in. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's <laughs> a fact. <laughs> we was just out there having a blast, and then all of a sudden, it was just like all the doors that I kicked open, and everybody shut back in my face. And it's like, what are we really like? What what's really like? What's tea for? Like, what is it that y'all are trying to? You know what I'm saying? That y'all are trying to, I don't even know. Like, I, I don't even know. I can't even put it in words. Still to this day, I'll tell John, like, every, like, you know, whenever we talk and stuff, like, I don't even know how I feel about the sport. Like, like I feel like I'm always fighting for equality and I'm always fighting for, you know, people like me and Mary Beth and Nasha Robinson and people who are making these teams to have mm-hmm. equal opportunities and whatever the case is and, Everybody wants me to be such an adversary for these type of athletes because I'm not afraid to speak up with this, this, and that. But, like, at what expense? Like, am I, you know, at what expense? Am I going to ever reap any of the benefits of the things that I'm fighting for? So, you know, I hate to be like, welcome, because I shouldn't be like, oh, welcome <laughs> to this side of the sport, because that's sad. Like, it, it really shouldn't be this where you're literally making teams, you're top. What 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 is your ranking in the world? Two? My world ranking will really or five world ranking is really, you know, biased. I ain't going very biased. It is extremely biased. Top hurdlers in the world, regardless. At the end of the day, there is no reason why you shouldn't have a contract. You made two teams in one year. I'm three. That's pretty cool. Three. Three. Like, thank you for correcting that because in my head I said three and out came two. <laughs> you were um now it's not that 
obviously we don't want Lay to leave. If if Lay don't get her money, first, hold on. First is what I got to say. I pray that God blesses you with a contract and not just any old contract. One that actually, you know, you can live off of comfortably because you know some of these contracts don't got nothing in it or all you yeah. get is a pair of shoes, some shorts, and maybe a headband. I don't, uh-huh. that, that, you don't deserve the little scraps. If that's what they're going to give you, then you might as well just go buy the shit at the store. But it's not that obviously we don't want that to happen, but if that unfortunate scenario did happen, um, what's another passion that you have or something that you could see yourself doing to actually fulfill yourself and to make money off of? Um, if that was something that happened now, I feel like I would go into like the line of work of what I went to school for. So I went to undergraduate school for pre-law and then I did sports management for my master's, I would just go in, into that realm. I would work with high-risk athletes um, and start a small sports agency for that. Um, we would do a lot of work that would be funded through like corporations, like the like collective, like the gym that we work with, stuff like that, and funnel through uh, coaches like Morgan or JV that put on, you know, combine, pre-draft um, training, stuff like that. And we would just help aid those athletes that are deemed high risk who, you know, maybe didn't go get selected for the draft or didn't go pro straight out of college. We would allow them with more resources to be able to, you know, still have a platform to be able to still make money and still perform if it's just a lack of resources. Basically, I would help athletes that like myself. Yeah. Like myself. I would help build the gap for athletes like that. Um and that's something that me and Mo talk about. It's something that me and JB talk about, um, just getting those things put in order, put in play. Now, you know what I'm saying? And right. Dealing with these agents have really, <laughs> have really showed me a lot, showed me what I would want to be in an agent and definitely have shown me what I would not want to be in an agent mm-hmm. and um, how I would navigate those spaces. But that's definitely something that I would do. And... Yeah, like I want y'all to know that I would never take a deal that's not working of what I've done. Like I don't. The goal is not to be sponsored so that I can say that I'm sponsored. The goal is yeah. to afford to live and take care of my family. So I don't care if it's, I don't care who it is. I don't care if Walmart came and did the sponsorship. Like <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like at the end of the day, I think that my path is to break the narrative of having to have a sponsor within track and field like you yeah. know we're looking at other avenues i signed some marketing agency doceto who's um they're uh they they they're in canada based in canada but they work with a large number of athletes um and all type of olympic sports so they just did a deal with barbie for one of the girls they did a deal with l'oreal for one of the old old heads in track and field sage watson who ran for canada <laughs> Um, so like they're, they're doing big stuff outside of, you know, your regular sports company, but at the end of the day, you know, I just deserve what I deserve. So it just is what it is. Like, and not, I think people, when I, when I say like, I'm not sponsored, people are like, oh, you're, you're shutting down deals. Like, you know, you just, you want what you want, but like, I'll have to put it on record. Like we have had not had one offer. We have not seen one offer from any company. So that's that's crazy 
just because of the audio purposes, the way that my face was, it was a very blank stare because here, <laughs> so here the fact that you haven't gotten one offer. Wow. Lay, I am so sorry because you deserve so much more than that. You deserve so much more than that. And as athletes, especially all the sacrifices, we didn't even talk about the two years in, in the stuff that you did sacrifice and had to do just to even try to maintain to somewhat be in the sport before you made that move to Florida. Like it, it's so much that athletes do go through and I'm sorry. I mean, I, it's cool. Like I appreciate, you know, I appreciate your y'all's words. Like I know there's sympathy and empathy out there for me from former athletes and athletes that are in my position. I think that it's more important, you know, because a lot of the companies, they don't like that I speak on my situation. But at the end of the day, how I feel towards that is if you don't like the situation, change it. But right. period. I feel like that it's important for younger athletes to know that it doesn't always go the way that it's supposed to go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Now we have, you know, collegians being able to have NIL deals and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. that's dope. But like when you get into the real professional world, track and field and heavy quotations, like, you know, always have a plan B, C, D, E, S, G, H, I, J, K, M, L, P. Okay. Because we didn't have that. We yeah. said, once we ran fast, cool, you was going to get what you deserved and you did it. So, you know, I, it's just important, I think, for people to understand that you can do everything that you're supposed to do. And people, sometimes they just don't, they just don't like you. They just don't, they just don't want to back you. And it is what it is. So. And now I got to backtrack to <laughs> when you make this world indoor team, because it was you and Murr and like, I'm biased. So like, congrats to everyone else that made it on the team. <laughs> it's a delay show. So hype for you and Murr. So what was that like when you guys both realized you made it on this team? Cause both you guys went through hardships and both you guys were actually gone for a period of time from the sport before returning. So that's what made it so unique and special for me to watch. What was that like? Me and Mary Beth, that is my girl. Okay, I just want to put on record that we talk each other off of a ledge at least once a month, okay? Like, whenever I'm like, this is some BS, <laughs> I call Mary Beth like I'm going to quit tomorrow. And then, like, we send each other long paragraphs back and forth, back and forth, talking it out. And, like, that is really my girl. Like, that's really been a rock for me, like, being back in this sport and, and vice versa for her. So, when we both made the team, it's like, we back. Like, this is nuts. You know, like, it's crazy. Um, I'm so happy. I'm so happy for her. And we're, we have similar stories, but they're completely different. And she's gone through completely different things. And she's had a lot of highs and lows in her specific situation. But she is a strong cookie. Like, that girl is resilient. Like, She's resilient. She's persistent. And I know for her, it's even harder with being like the ideal sports, like the ideal track and field athlete and not mm -hmm. having those opportunities. And I mean, there is not a table that I have ever sat at that I have not brought up Mary Beth's name because I just feel like it's important to put people in spaces that they might never get to be in, in rooms that they might never get to 
walk into in tables they might never get to sit at. So like anybody who knows me knows my story knows, at least knows Mary Beth's name. And I think that, you know, she has a long way to go, just like me. But when we make it, it's going to be crazy. Like, it's going to be phenomenal. I just don't think that the sport as it is is a place for me and Mary Beth. But the sport as it's becoming will be a place for us. Yeah, I love that. I was so, I was so proud of y'all. We just lit. We just Come lit on I'm over here like y'all was getting all these PRs throughout the entire season. The fact that she had broke 10 seconds for me, I was like 11 seconds, broke 11 and I ran. Say, 10 seconds. <laughs> I, mean, I meant like hit 10 seconds. Yeah, five times. Five, five times. times. You know how hard it is to do five that? Times. It's not five really easy. Season. Like, I think we get so spoiled in the sport seeing the Shelly Ann's that we forget, like, running sub-11 is hard. No. No. <laughs> I know. Not everybody can run it 10, 6, 3 times in less than 7 days. I can't do that. That shit's crazy. Now, I wanted to, I wanted to say that I'm glad that you bring her up in the conversations that you're in. Mainly because for me as a person, like I'm really big on like bringing people with me as well. So it's very refreshing to hear that there's other athletes that feel the same way. Cause I was catching a lot of heat earlier this week. Cause I had two people um, text me and it was like, you still talking too much about D3, you still D3, this and the third. And I'm, I understand I'm a power five athlete right now. I understand that I wear Kentucky across my chest, but at the end of the day, Everybody at my old school was 10 toes behind me and was the man that thought I could make it to where I'm at right now, no matter how it's going. So I would be the biggest asshole in the world if I did not still talk about those people, that family that got me to where I'm at today. And it's not about, you know, like dwelling in the past or like being caught up in other people and all that other stuff. It's just that you, when you've been in a position similar to the ones that all three of us have been in you understand the importance of people still rooting for you when you're still moving up when other people or you are still moving up the ladder because at the end of the day there's not a lot of people who are just going to give faith into you so if I can be one of those people or we can be one of those people that have the time and energy to do so then why not no exactly exactly and especially because at the end of the day like I said we don't have the same opportunities like we don't, we don't have the same opportunities. And I have to talk to people about that all the time. And I hate having to bring that up. But like, even some of my homegirls that, you know, run track and stuff is like, yeah, I'm fast, but I don't have the same opportunities that you have. <laughs> like, you know, just because I'm on this, I'm on this platform doesn't mean I have those opportunities. Just because I have access to resources don't necessarily mean they're my resources. Yeah. There's a difference between that. So I feel like, you know, with me, being able to get a little bit more in the door than Mary Beth is like, I have to be able to bring up, you know, the issues that she's seeing too, because at the end of the day, like these are all the issues that I had, had I had to see. And I don't know it now, but I know that there was somebody in that room talking about an athlete that resembled something of what I've been through that allowed me to, you know, be in the position that I'm in now. So I think that, even even going back to college, like even when I transferred and went to Texas Tech, like there is nothing that anybody can ever get me to say negative about Texas Tech. Like that was the most positive experience of my life. And I ran the slowest I had ever ran in college. 
<laughs> but they were 10 toes behind me. They didn't care what I did. Like, they didn't care. The coach sat me down. He's down. I don't care if you're at 20%. Your 20% is better than some of them at 100%. You still got to work, baby. We gotta yeah. <laughs> and, like, they just, they, they really, like, Coach Robinson and just everything about it was just a, a culture that, you just feel like you couldn't lose. Like, I felt invincible when I was at that school. Like, it didn't matter what I did, who I ran against. Like, I was invincible because the school loved me, the fans, they were unwavering. Like, everything about it, like, that was the experience. So, yes, I don't, girl, talk about it. Talk about the D3, talk about the D2, because there's amazing athletes there that just don't have the opportunity, don't have the resources. And people feel like if you don't have it right now, you're not worthy of it. Like, it's not the truth. Like, yeah. It is in due time, baby, in due time. Because two years ago, y'all was thinking the same about me. Like, in due time, if you believe it, if you feel like, you know, it's for you, you have, once they have the opportunity to give it 110%, they'll be able to show what they can really do. I think people underestimate the power of resources in that particular aspect because it wouldn't take this damn long if y'all were willing to give that to me in the first place and I know we talked about like earning it and deserving it but at the end of the day there are so many talented people out here and I know there's not enough resources to just hand it out to everybody but the reason why people feel like if you don't have it now it's not possible because they know that like if you don't have the resources like it's not going to happen but that's why I appreciate what you saying you know, like outside of like you just running track in particular, but like having that vision and that dream to create that business to offer resources to athletes that don't have it. It's so important. Um, So if you need somebody to help you out with that or you want to hire somebody, you need an intern whenever you had that, just let me know. I'm glad to be there. You know, put some of my resume. I'll be the I'll be the I'll be the water girl. I don't care. Girl, period. You know, I need I need all my girls. <laughs> Girl said the water girl. I love it. That's important too. <laughs> Caitlin, you got any more questions before we get into some fun ones? Nah, let she be talking. She be talking and she has so many amazing things to say. And I feel like to, today was just so, it was just so heart-wrenching because why y'all doing my girl like this? <laughs> I want to... I want to laugh. I want to smile a little bit because I wanted to cry a couple of times. They be doing oh, my day. God. Girl, I cried enough for all of us. We're good. One thing I will say is that it's amazing to see like how much the sport has changed because it used to just be field event athletes having the struggle of finding these sponsorships and, and resources. And the fact that it's trickling down to, to the hurdles and the sprints now, especially in the hurdles that's such a prime event yeah it's a little ter- it's terrifying they told me that we was not a marquee event i don't know who is but i guess what we you, who's at that? that's what the people say after 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 the the records that have been broken over the past five six years mm. i don't know i mean i think we're literally one of the only events where like at the end of the day we have top somebody in the top 10, like more than three or four people in the top 10 race against each other every event. Like, yes, we, we can't dodge each other. Like how sprinters like to dodge and, and 400 hurdlers, they be dodging. Like we can't do that. We don't have that. We can't. Like we always putting on a show. We always run from hot every time. And that's why we elevate the way that we do. That's why we have so many girls running under 12.5. Like if you can't run 12.6, 
you can't run no more. Like you're not making it nowhere if you can't yeah. run. Just- God elevated it for sure. 12-3 to make the team, 12 having to run 12-4, Aaliyah having to run 12-4 to make the team is nuts. Like Don Harper swore up and down in order to make the team, you only gonna have to run 12-5. At the very like you run 12-5, you're in there for sure. <laughs> Boy, have times changed. Boy. <laughs> and the thing is just gonna keep changing. And that's the scary part. We've been running the 12 soon. Yo, that's got to be so oh, sticky. Everybody going to be running 11. I can't wait for that day because everybody going to be running 11. I'm going to be the first one. First one under 12. I'm okay. Okay. She, I want to know, everybody who's called they shot. Literally. It's all came in a fruitation. Every single time someone calls they shot on this yeah. podcast. Oh, yeah. Happens. So that leads me to my first no, no. That led me to my first uh, fun question. So if somebody came to you at the end of this upcoming season and it was like, Lay, you had the craziest freaking season ever. What in your mind do you think would have happened for somebody to say that to you? Oh. What? I'm, oh, what I did? Okay. I definitely was the first person under 12 then. Had to be. Like, I'm the first person under 12. I'm cutting up. Unstoppable. Nobody touching me. I'm talking that talk. I'm putting that fit on. Her leg. Like, I'm giving the girls looks. Like, I'm just an entertainer, baby. Something start entertaining. Like, y'all finna see a whole different Cause we talk about fashion with you, Miss Fashiony. Uh-huh. The hair is always done, nails always done, uniform all period, right? <laughs> so if you could have somebody design your uniform, who would it be? That was a fire Ooh. question. If I can have somebody design my uniform, dang, that's a good one. I would pick. The lat brand to design my uniform. It's a brand. Mm-hmm. It's an athleisure brand, and they're based in London, UK, and they have some dope pieces. I would have them design my uniform, but I do have a special person designing my uniform this year. <gasps> not indoor, not my indoor uniform, but my outdoor uniforms, and. All I can say, she was a former track and field athlete, and now she's a major superstar in another sport. That's all I can say. Oh, Ooh. hold on! Now, yeah, I'm excited. <laughs> now I'm gonna have to go do a little research and look up some athletes. Like who? Who could it be? Uh oh! Oh snap! Okay, so y'all heard that T here. So be on the lookout. For the uniform come outdoor season. I'll be busting it down. Okay. (laughs) I got to steal your question about food. So sorry. (laughs) You asking that nasty yet? Slay. What? We gave up on that question after we had somebody tell, you know what? I'm not even going to say a world record because at this point, Lay talking about running 11 seconds. So would you eat? Bulls balls. It'll be cooked. Cooked balls. Why, Jasmine? Why? Around eleven seconds. 
Jasmine, do you see this girl face or is it frozen? I think she froze. She froze like this. That's like perfect timing. That's because you shouldn't be asking her dumbass questions like that. That was God like, hey girl, you yeah, doing too much. We was done with Ball's a champ, okay? We was done with it at that podcast. Were we? No more. Here we go. Okay, she's back. You back. Okay. The Lord didn't want me to answer it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. God was like, okay, relax, Jasmine. Which questions? But you got to answer the question. So you eat them both. Um, just, I'm standing 10 toes behind. Just like I got trouble when I was at Oregon. And Coach Curtis asked me, would I shave my head ball if I knew that I would win NCAAs? And I said, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Like, I ain't never wanted to run up a second day. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. <laughs> if you cook a little saute girl no i don't even eat like i don't even eat escargot i don't even eat crawfish you like, don't eat crawfish not not out of the actual shell like daddy yeah. like, oh no daddy, that either. no you're no i don't do that no uh, i don't I'm like here. it <laughs> i can't i can't even eat shrimp with a head on I, who be eating shrimp with the head on? People do that. People do. My brother does that. That is sick. That's nasty. His eyes is nasty. So, they like little gummy balls. Staring at you. Mm, ew. Gross. Nasty. Caitlin, you got a question? Come on. Okay. Let's see what Caitlin got in her magic book of questions. <laughs> Not my magic book. <laughs> I'm terrified. Terrified. I'm not going to be asking no ridiculous questions like that no more. So you don't even got to worry about that. Um, Let us see. If there was one track and field athlete, whether currently competing or retired or hopefully not dead, um, and you could race them all the time, who would it be? I could race them all the time? Mm-hmm. Current, retired, or dead? <laughs> um, I think if I had to raise somebody all the time, ooh, that's hard. Okay. I would say, I know I'm going to get backlash for this answer. I'm, I'm going to say, Shakari. I like that answer though. She can run. I actually and like that answer. I think that's if I was good at the 100. Like if I was, you know, in a realm and like it would be a race, it would be a good race. Mm-hmm. Because it would just be a fun show. Like, yeah. Once y'all got the looks popping, running fast, I feel like it would just be turned up every time. It would be lit. Like we would have a stadium rocking. Yeah, no, y'all really would like the fact that I just imagined this with music playing too. Like, <laughs> like the end, like people have like, oh, I got a question for you. Since we were, since we want to be extravagant, if you could have an intro song when you walk out during your track meets, what song would it be? Oh, um, oh, she fired up now, y'all. Y'all don't see her, she's standing up. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, look, let me look through my little album music real quick. Let me see what's on my hit list. 
<laughs> I, let me see. Let me see. If I was going to do something this year. We need to work on that for real because. I would definitely do Keep This In Two by Boston Richie featuring Lil Dirt because y'all already know I got Yeah. Okay. Oh, While you're in that playlist though. I need to know what what are the top five songs that you listen to before you compete? Okay. So the top five songs, they're they're gonna change, but I can give you the artists. I know for sure it's gonna be some G Herbo. As it should be. Definitely gonna be Lil Dirt. Talk about it. You know what I'm saying? Lil Baby. Cause he's been yeah. going crazy. Crazy. Yes. Like, and then I'm gonna have a couple of Female artists in there like Kenda Man, I love her. And then let me see who gonna be my fifth artist. Let me see. Let me look on here. Let me see who be getting who be getting me done. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Cause you know what? I, I actually do like Glorilla right now, so I go with Glorilla. Okay, okay. Glorilla, oh, okay. I like. We, we gonna be talked out. We gonna be talked out for sure. For sure. Oh yeah, I go crazy. Like I'm listening to straight rap. Like I'm at, I'm in a concert. If I could be anything else in this world, I would be um a female rapper. I could see that I for you. Too. Like Leah would have the crowd lit. You a performer? <laughs> you 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 got us riled up, and we do the screen. <laughs> <laughs> I started standing up and I was like, oh shit, I gotta get up too. But you know, I can't stand up. I can't show what's in the camera. I ain't got clothes on. I can't stand up. <laughs> Y'all are nuts. <laughs> I mean, we're gonna be we gonna be at the track and be like this. It'll be like okay. serious. I'd be like, get on my face. You've done some traveling. So where has been your favorite place so far? My favorite trip. It had, I've, I've been to a lot of places. My favorite trip is definitely Bermuda. When mm-hmm. I went to the track in Bermuda, I actually went early and stayed late. That, Bermuda was so pretty. Like, oh my God, it was great. I loved it. I had a blast. I'm jealous. I still haven't gone to Bermuda. No, you have to go. Now, the wind is something no. I'm crazy. Yes. But, it but it wasn't windy before the track meet. Like I don't know, just the track meet came on and boom, it's windy as hell. Like I don't know what was going on. But what we were definitely and then Dominican Republic. Like I I went to Mexico and I went to Dubai and stuff. But Dominican Republic was the best experience I've ever had, just because we were like actually in the city, like inner city. Mm-hmm. Like we wasn't like dressed up and you know how people do when they go over yeah. you know out of the country. Yeah. Like we was in regular Dominican Republic clothes, and I had a nice bust down thirty inch, and everybody thought okay. I was, they were speaking to me in Spanish, and I was drunk the whole time. And, and it was just a blast, like oh, time of life. Are you gonna take that same energy going into this next season? You still gonna have all the fun that you've been having? Yes, absolutely. Because because my life is like. A mixture of like rich housewife and then like, <laughs> like athlete. So it's like I'm like I, I get out of my track and I'm like, uh, I'm so drained. Can we go somewhere? Like, can we go to Cancun? <laughs> like, That's what I'm trying to be like, 
that that's really how I am. Like I really don't show that part like of me on social media at all because you know my aesthetic is like the single fine attainable. You know, yeah. like yeah. young and turn. Yes. So, I definitely have a blast. Like I am not missing out on no meals or no trips. Baby, know that. I love her for you. Period. (laughs) Be outside. Okay. Ride with it. You gonna run fast if you gonna run fast. (laughs) No, that's facts. That's facts. Cause outside be calling my name. Hello. Girl, I'm in Austin, Texas. You know, outside. outside. <laughs> it, ain't, it, ain't, it ain't nothing in Lexington, Kentucky. I'll just let you know that right now. Oh my God. It ain't nothing but sh- Trump flags and yeah, that's it. <laughs> now we was you stay about- inside, okay? Don't go outside. <laughs> I'm dragging it. I'm dragging it. I'm dragging it. I only saw two Trump flags, but the one, the one, the one of them I seen, it was big as hell. I was like, they finna come kidnap me. Oh my gosh! <laughs> I said, I'm out of there. I said I'm in the south for real. All right, I got two more questions. Two more questions. Okay. So, food. I gotta know best food and where. And worst food and where out of the countries that you've been to? Um, best food in the world is gonna be a Chicago pizza. As it should be. Best food, best food like traveling, I would have to say the snapper in the Bahamas when I went for Nat Cat. Now that John was cutting up, like they was they was cutting up out there. They knew what they was doing. Worst food. Um, it definitely has to be the breakfast sausage in Serbia because it was like little, little wieners, like floating in water, like Vienna sausages, like floating in water. It was like, this is sick. (laughs) It's the fact that I knew you were gonna say Serbia, but like the fact that the sausages were floating in water is nasty. It's It's not a sausage, it's a wiener. It was sick. That's actually gross. That was really nasty. Oh, Lord. I ate McDonald's the whole time I was in Serbia. And then I had, like, a bunch of snacks. So we, I had, like, oatmeal. I had about, like, peanut butter and jelly and a loaf of bread. Girl, I was, I didn't even, I went down there. I saw them float sauce. Y'all said, yeah, y'all would never see me. <laughs> That's a wrap for this. Absolutely not. Let me cook these ramen noodles with this tea, with this tea water. Because, you know, and then my final question is, if you could tell your younger self something and your future self something, what would you tell yourself? Ooh, I would tell my younger self that you're going to be the coolest kid on the block. Like, bruh, <laughs> you're going to have a time. And it's going to be some highs and some lows, but the highs are going to be way high and the lows is going to be a little low. And I would tell my future self, just never forget like how we got here and what we had to go through 
and the people that helped me along the way. I love that. Oh, Caitlin, you got anything else? Nah, that's it. That's that's how we cap it off. That's how we end it. Okay. Okay, y'all. So thank you for tuning in to Out of the Blocks. See y'all on our next episode whenever it drops. <laughs> yeah, no, whenever it drops. Calm, calm. Hey, Chris. <laughs> Chris. <laughs>